0: Hang on a sec. Okay, sorry. I, I, I like this song. I like listening to this. It's, it's the reason I picked the, the intro, but sometimes you just need that that nice big buildup. Anyway, this is the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. You can also reach out via the KPL app chat. I do look at that. The page is loading right now. This computer is wanting to be slow, but I promise you the page is loading and I am uh, making sure to catch all of your uh, messages that you send in through that app. So a lot to talk about today. Uh, I've got a couple columns up at Red State today. Of course, the show notes are live, Joe joecunninghamshow.substack.com. If you go there, again, joecunninghamshow.substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. You can go there. You can see the show notes. I'm not charting. A lot of people charge for their Substacks. I don't. I keep all of my stuff in front of a paywall. You can go there. You can see the show notes for the day. You can see links to the stuff that I'm writing. And you can kind of get a good idea of not only what I'm going to talk about for the day, but what I think are a lot of the most important stories of the day. And there are a lot out there. But I think the place to start is with the New York Times seeing a poll that came out today because a lot of people in the political world are kind of freaking out about it, and there's good reason for them to be freaking out about it. It's not good news for the Democrats. Now, overall, I mean, it's just not good. The generic congressional ballot in that poll has Republicans up by four, but, but there's a bigger problem here. I broke it down at Red State this morning, and there are issues that the Democrats are really having here. Both parties have pretty, um, if you are identified with a particular party, for the most part, you're already aligned with, you know who you're going to vote for if you go out to vote. Those numbers aren't really changing. It's the independent voters that are key here. The biggest shift came from women who identified as independent voters. In September, independent women voters favored the Democrats by 14 points. Now, Mark, I don't know if you're a math guy. I'm not. Independent women in this poll in October shifted to the Republicans, now leading by 18 points. So if my math is right... That is a 24 point jump from one direction to the other among independent voters, uh, independent women. Even worse for Democrats, 34 percent of Hispanic voters say they will back Republicans in the midterm election. But I have reason to believe that. the numbers we're seeing from this poll are still undercounting how big this year could be for the Republican party. So in taking the house in 2018 and winning the Senate and the white house in 2020, the winning democratic coalition during the Trump presidency relied on a significant gender gap and on winning women by a wide margin. The poll shows that Republicans have entirely erased what has been an 11-point edge for Democrats among women in the last month. But what's worse is that the New York Times write-up of their own poll quotes three responses from voters. Those voters come from Delaware, Connecticut, and Indiana. Indiana's, you know, uh, right-of-center state, but Indianapolis. Bigger area tends to trend a little more democratic. But here's the thing. The top issues of the campaign, they didn't get quotes from any of the areas impacted by those top issues. What are the top issues? Aside from the economy, the top issues are crime and immigration. There is no response from any person in the write-up of this poll from somebody along the border in the U.S., from somebody in a border state, somebody in a state that's heavily affected by the immigration issue. And there's no response from a person coming from an area where crime has spiked tremendously. And when you dig into those numbers, I mean, the state of Oregon, a reliably democratic state, is about to come close to or even pull away with a Republican winning the governorship in Oregon. All because of Portland, all because of the chaos in Portland, Oregon. A Republican could become the governor of Oregon because of the crime issue, because of the lawlessness. In Arizona, Blake Masters has been closing the gap with Mark Kelly. He could pull that out, but immigration is a big factor in Nevada. And that is what's putting Adam Laxalt ahead of Catherine Cortez Masto. The one issue that Democrats were really hoping would help keep them alive in November is pretty much at this point a non-starter. Here's one of the quoted responses from this poll. Robin Ackerman, 37-year-old Democrat and mortgage loan officer who lives in Newcastle, Delaware. I'm shifting more towards Republican because I feel like they're more geared towards business. Mrs. Ackerman said she disagreed 1000% with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and erase the national right to an abortion, but, quote, that doesn't have a lot to do with my decision. I'm more worried about other things. The New York Times is a left of center organization, and their polling tends to, over, tends to favor Democrats a lot more than what ends up happening in elections. And if the best they can do of abortion is somebody... Who says? Yeah, I disagree with it. But that's not at the top of my wish of my list of things that I care about. That's a problem. On the list of most important issues among voters, overall among likely voters, twenty-six percent of voters say the economy is the most important issue. Eighteen percent say inflation or the cost of living is the most important issue. Tied. In third place, are abortion and immigration at a distant five percent and crime is at three percent. That's bad news for Democrats, but it gets worse. This is where you really need to pay attention. Before we go to the break, you need to listen to this next part. Let me go over that list of issues again. Economy, including jobs and stock market. Inflation and cost of living. Abortion, immigration, crime. Those are the five issues, the top five issues among likely voters. Here's how they break down among women. 21% of women say the economy, including jobs and stock market, is their most important issue. 17% say inflation or the cost of living. At number three, abortion at 9%. Nine percent of women. That's it. That's the only ones who think abortion is the top issue. That is more or less a projection of doom for the Democrats, especially in the House, but very likely in the Senate. So now what I want to do is I want to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about one of these specific midterm races that all eyes are on because it is turning into an absolute uh, poop show. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL. You can call in 232-1542. Send a message through the KPEL app chat. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, let's get back into the news of the day. So in Pennsylvania, the... Democratic candidate for Senate John Fetterman uh, gave a pretty bad interview with NBC News, and the NBC News reporter who gave the interview uh, mentioned that uh, during the conversation that that he that Fetterman needed closed captioning with uh, you know to to be able to understand to be able to 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 understand to comprehend the questions that were asked. And that during the conversation before the interview started, it seemed like he was having trouble understanding what was being said. Now, Fetterman's not deaf. Fetterman had a stroke and his cognitive processes have been affected by this stroke. He's not able to uh, get things on the first go. He has to see the words to be able to understand what's being said the connection from the ears to the brain, is not working at full speed. And this is an effect of the stroke. And a lot of people reacted to this by saying, hey, this isn't a bad thing. Or there were several who were saying, well, I didn't have any of these problems with him when I interviewed them. Of course, a lot of these interviews that they were talking about were over Zoom or over something that would have had built-in closed captioning with it. But it's not as though the need for closed captioning is new. Back when they were originally negotiating a debate between Fetterman and Oz, the campaign said we need closed captioning on the questions because he is having these problems. So it's not like this is something brand new. But everybody is treating it like it is, and they are attacking the NBC News reporter. In fact... Uh, Fetterman's own wife, Giselle Fetterman, is attacking the NBC News reporter over it, saying, I don't know how there were not consequences. She wanted an apology. She says she felt rage. She's saying this is an ableist attack, things like that. Essentially, you know, again, don't once, I don't know how there were not consequences. Wanting to punish a reporter for saying something truthful very strange, but Giselle Fetterman has become the face of the campaign. And don't just take my word on that. Kara who is a reporter for Rolling Stone magazine, did a whole profile of Giselle Fetterman and actually wrote in a tweet. I wrote about Giselle Fetterman and how her husband's stroke transformed her from a reluctant political spouse to de facto candidate and political star. She then deleted that tweet because she realized that calling Giselle Fetterman the de facto candidate was actually a problem. And it's not a problem for like any legality reasons or anything like that. It's a problem because it's the truth and it's not a good truth. The candidate cannot be the candidate is the admission there. John Fetterman, the candidate for Senate from Pennsylvania has been almost fully pushed to the side And his wife is now the person people will identify with the campaign because she's out there as the surrogate, as essentially the de facto candidate. But the problem is that Fetterman is the candidate. John Fetterman is the candidate for U.S. Senate. People already know who he is. And more importantly, they know that he had a stroke and that he is struggling. If he's being cast aside to this point and the wife is, talking, is taking all the uh, campaign press for herself, that only marginalizes Fetterman further. In a race where he's been losing ground pretty consistently for weeks. But the Democratic Party should actually be furious because this is a far closer race than frankly it should be. Mehmet Oz was not the ideal candidate. He was not very popular. He barely got out of the primary. And he struggled to connect with voters for months. But it wasn't until the stroke conditions became clear that people started siding with Oz. The attacks from the Federman campaign weren't landing and everybody saw what Fetterman was going through. And they're not really comfortable with somebody who is having these cognition issues being their representative in the U.S. Senate. Not capital R representative, somebody who represents them in the Senate. Fetterman's stroke was days before the primary. The campaign played it down. They just treated it like it was a minor event. It wasn't until weeks later that Fetterman himself said in an interview that he almost died the campaign lied the campaign played down how severe the the stroke was had he decided had the campaign decided we can't go through with this we we for the sake of his health he's got to pull back the next democrat in line would have gone but now it's too late now they're in it they're deep In this problem. Giselle Fetterman is trying to be the face of the campaign, trying to save the face of the campaign. And she's making the situation worse because now she's pushed her husband aside. Now she's taking all the press. So everybody now sees, well, there's Fetterman's wife. Are the stroke conditions getting worse? Where's John Fetterman? Meanwhile, Mehmet Oz is like, see, I told you. And the Democrats have got to be furious about that. The campaign lied. Fetterman was not healthy. He is not healthy. It's affecting his performance on the campaign trail. And his wife is now essentially taking over. The Democrats now have a problem. You go and you look at Real Clear Politics. Let's pull it up right now. While I'm talking, let's look up Real Real Clear Politics. Let's find the Fetterman campaign. In the latest poll, Daily Wire, Trafalgar... Had Fetterman up by two points. He's been hovering around that area. Right now, his average is up by about 3.4%. But Oz is making another rise. And Fetterman's numbers have been in a free fall since September. Recovering just a little bit, but Oz is recovering more. Some Republicans even think Oz can win. And if he does, every Democrat in the country needs to look at what happened in Pennsylvania. And they need to realize just how badly the Fetterman team screwed this up for the whole party. Because if Oz wins this, the Republicans keep the Senate. The Republicans get the Senate. It's game over because there are everything else in play. It's impossible for the Democrats to re- to retain the Senate if Oz ends up walking away with the win here. Every indicator was that this was a sure pickup for the Democrats. And now it's not. Now it's actually in play. And the Democrats behind the scenes, if they are not furious, they will be soon. All right, let's take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll have more on the news of the day. Plus, the most electric race in state politics coming up in 2023. That and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to call and be part of the conversation, you can also send a message to the KPL app chat. Uh, the little chat button up there in the top corner, you hit that, select general message. You can send me a message and uh, comment on any part of the show. So, the most electric race in Louisiana politics this year... I may not be exaggerating. I'm not sure yet, because we know we're going to have a fairly dynamic race for governor. We know that. But I can't help but wonder how much people are going to be paying attention to the insurance commissioner race. Tim Temple, who ran in 2019 against Jim Donlin, uh, he lost the, the final. T- it was just those two in the race. Donlin got 53.5% of the vote and Temple got 46.5% of the vote. It was close. A few points swing in the other direction. Tim Temple is the current, go, uh, current commissioner of administration, uh, uh, not a commissioner, commissioner of insurance. And that was in a relatively decent year for Donlan. But this year, we've had insurance story after insurance story. We've had companies that have gone under, companies that have gone bankrupt. We have flood insurance, and and that's not Jim Donlan's fault, the flood insurance thing, but those rates are going up. And now we have Donlan signing this approval for a 63% hike in homeowner's insurance. Again, also not his fault. He's basically required to by law. But this right now, this is a year 2022 is a year where everyone is paying attention to cost. Everyone's paying attention to the price of things. And if all the economists are right and we're going into re- into a recession, 2023 could be as bad or worse. Um, I was thinking I did. I wasn't going to say until you muttered it, Mark, but yes, or worse. And so the financial aspect, the personal financial aspect. Of insurance comes into play here. And so you've got literally his signature, Jim Donlin's signature on this price hike. And again, not saying it's on him. Not by any stretch of the imagination, I understand. But consider, Jim Donlin has been Commissioner of Insurance since 2006. And the rates have continued to climb in the state. Consider that he has been in public office in some form or another since the late 70s. Jim donlin has been in Baton Rouge for a very, very, very long time. And the rates have continued to climb. Tim Temple put $2 million of his own money into his race and came within a few points of beating Jim Donlin in 2019. Another $2 million, I don't know if he's got another $2 million to drop or what, but another $2 million... All the ad money he spent last time, all the ads that were out there to get his name recognition up. And attack after attack after attack on insurance rates in the state of Louisiana. That race goes the other way. Again, not an endorsement, not me attacking Donlin. That's just the lay of the land. But I think... Because of the lay of the land where insurance is concerned in the state of Louisiana, I really do think this is actually a race people will pay attention to. And for good reason. I've been an advocate of tort reform. I've been an advocate of the me- of of trying to get insurance rates lower here in the state. I come from an, a family that works in an independent insurance agency that owns one. The ins and outs of the business are pretty complex, but there are a lot of issues there that our state government could be doing to make it easier on citizens of the state. But time after time, state government has not pulled it off. Tort reform that barely gets anything done. Most of the time, because we try to stake everything into a single omnibus bill in the legislature, And one thing everybody disapproves of, so the whole bill gets killed. Once again, it's a lot easier to piecemeal it, to get a group of laws, a smaller group of laws together, pass it on this one particular issue, then move on to the next step. But we can't do that. We've got to throw it all into one big bill. Kind of strange. But the Commissioner of Insurance is not a legislative job. That's an executive job. And he is the face of insurance in Louisiana. And so Donlin does have a bit of a problem on his hands, I do think. Now, as the other statewide races come into play, it's pretty clear in the state of Louisiana that our time of having a Democratic executive, a Democratic statewide official is pretty much done. Barring something unforeseen, which I really don't see happening this time. I really don't see it happening this time the way it happened in the last two gubernatorial elections. I could be wrong. But given the players in the race so far, it doesn't seem like we're going to have the same issues that we had then. Now, Jeff Landry made a smart announcement. He announced early, but he said he specifically stated I'm not running for governor. We're running for governor. He's already pushing for that Republican unity in a way that no other candidate can say they can do now. Because he's out there. He's doing it. And Republicans are far more motivated right now than they were back then. So there's a very, very likely Republican pickup for governor. There will be a, a Republican... In the AG's office, there will be somewhat of a Republican in the Lieutenant Governor's office. We don't know what kind yet. But then again, we've had somewhat of a Republican in the last two uh, 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 Lieutenant Governors, in Billy Nungesser and Jay Darden. And I don't remember anything beyond Jay Darden because that was that was so many election cycles ago. But Jay Darden turned around and endorsed John Bell Edwards. Billy Nungesser wants to run. He hasn't announced. He's only announced that he may announce. But if he does, he's going to be vying for that moderate Republican spot in the race, which is not a spot that ends up doing anything. Because when you basically position yourself as a moderate, you're telling both sides, I don't need you. Who's going to vote for that? Mike Strain is not going to lose. Kyle Arwen is not going to lose. Commissioner of Insurance. That's the one. I mean, just two Republicans. I mean, Jim Donlin hasn't even announced he's running for re-election. He may decide he's done. You know, forty plus years in state government, in 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 some way, shape, or form, maybe it's time to go ahead and back out. Temple's running as a Republican. If Donlin runs as two Republicans in that race, that's not going to shift a Democrat. So then it becomes which Republican is the better Republican. And you've got all these insurance stories that have been happening over the course of the last couple months that as things continue to go the way they're going, people are going to look around and maybe they want some change. It's just really funny to me that commissioner of insurance may be a race that a lot of Louisiana residents are looking at. Not something we've ever really experienced before. But I mean, a lot of people were divided in the last one. And now here we are, 63% uh, increase in in rates for homeowners insurance. We've got spikes in flood insurance. We've got all sorts of insurance rates going up because of hurricanes, because of the conditions out there in the economy. I mean, all of it is just playing right into the hands of people going to want change. It's going to be just interesting to watch and i really and truly think that you guys are going to be considering you're going to be considering something in that race you're going to you're going to have thoughts on the commissioner of insurance race that you may not have had before and here we are in the going into the year of our lord 2023 and we're worried about those sorts, those sorts of issues. But it's really hard, really hard f- to think of a race other than governor and attorney general, because we know a couple of Republicans running in that. It's really hard for me to think of a race that's going to have as much energy going into it as a commissioner of insurance because of what's at stake there. And again, not saying that Donlan did anything wrong, not saying that, that he deserves to be replaced, just simply that those are the conditions on the ground. All right. Before we take our break, let's go to Randall on the lines, because he's bringing up another race that we should probably be looking at. Randall, how are you today? Hey, Joe. Enjoy what you're talking about today. The race I'm talking about is public service commissioner with um, incumbent Mike Francis and I think a Latour, and I can't remember a Holden or whatever mm-hmm. running. And I was just wondering your take on that, especially with sky high, you know, utility bills, and if if they really have anything to say so on controlling that. So I'll just you know hang up and listen to your take on it, sir. Well, thank you, and and I'll I'll be honest with you, public service commissioner race, th- those those races I. I don't have a whole lot of information on right now, but what I what I will go ahead and do, Randall, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I will look into those races and I'll I'll see kind of the lay of the land on that because I do want to talk about these elections a whole lot more because these are very important issues for all of us as Louisiana residents. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to make sure that I look that I, I will have more information for you in the future, Randall. OK, sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. We will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show, here on News Talk 96.5, KPL. 232-1542, if you want to call in and be part of the conversation. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. In fact, we have one that came in uh, during the last segment we Want to get to uh, Louisiana's middle of the road when it comes to homeowners insurance. Florida's homeowners insurance is three times the national average. Is it a state government problem there also? What will the next governor do to change this growing problem? Well, the it's not the fact that it's a state government problem. State government regulation plays into it. And so that's something that any governor, whether it's Ron DeSantis there, whether it's uh, John Bell Edwards or Jeff Landry here, has to deal with. The problem is mul- is. There are several things that go into it. First is on the actual insurance companies themselves. Second, it's on location. We look at Louisiana. We've got, uh, we've got coastline. It is in the very tropically active Gulf of Mexico, although not very active this year, but also look at Florida. Florida is quite literally a double-edged sword, both coastlines susceptible to hurricanes and pretty powerful ones at that. That affects the insurance market there. Here in Louisiana, I-10 is literally the dividing line on, in, on homeowner's insurance rates. You have rates that are much higher the moment you live even an inch below I-10, the moment your rates go up. That's just how those rates work because of the susceptibility of these parts of the states to hurricanes. And then you have the, the, the regulation aspect of it as well. And the thing there is for the state of Louisiana, you know, we've tried various tort reforms as far as auto insurance and things like that go. We also do need to look at uh, at regulations when it comes to homeowners insurance. We, and we, I'm not saying we need to regulate them, but I'm saying we need to look at these sorts of things. What are the things that go into those sorts of of price hikes? And the insurance the insurance business is, there are a lot of factors that go into that, the whole actuarial tables and things like that. But here in the state of Louisiana, no matter who the next governor is for us, they will want to look at that. That is an issue that affects us. But it's not something the governor can do unilaterally. You have to get the legislature on board. The legislature has to pass the law. You have to work with whoever the next commissioner of insurance will be, whether it is Jim Donald, whether it is Tim Temple or somebody else. And you have to work with the insurance businesses. And that's where I don't think our legislature has done a good job. Our state legislature has the means to look into these things a lot deeper than they do. Our state legislature tends to ask the insurance companies to provide the actuarial tables. They tend to ask the people that control the rates on the private sector side to come up with the means of determining those rates. It would not take much for the legislature to pass a law saying we are going to hire an independent Writer to come up with actuarial tables, somebody who's not beholden to an insurance company, somebody who's not beholden to the insurance lobby, to look at the data and come up with actuarial tables that the state will use. Because right now, the companies come up with those rates and they give it to the state government. And that's how we determine the rates in the state of Louisiana. Instead, it should be independent. Both sides the pro, I'm not going to say the anti, but the, the insurance company skeptical should be able to come and say, okay, this is fair. Because you're looking at just the data and you're not working from the skewed position of the major insurance companies. And by the way, this isn't just me saying this. Independent insurance agents across the state have been calling for this for years, even though things like that could potentially hurt their business, but it helps their customers. But we need, and I'm not just saying we as Louisiana, Florida can do this. I'm not sure what the uh, the insurance, how insurance is handled in Florida state government, but I imagine it's very similar in that the governor cannot make these unilateral decisions. But we do need, as a government, state and federal, to look at these sorts of things and come up with ways that are, I think, a lot more fair. Because we do have an insurance problem, particularly here in our state. We've talked about tort reform for years, but it's not just tort reform. It's not just auto insurance, because that's what we often talk about. The homeowner's insurance situation, all these other categories of insurance they all need to be looked at all right before we go we will take one call renee joins us renee how are you today okay uh, i just want to throw a little few a little barbecue a lot of fluid to that comment about insurance maybe most of these guys have investments in the insurance like dentists and doctors mm-hmm. and they don't care to change things the way it is yeah no, i i don't disagree with that that's one of the problems that we face um, and it's not, it's not even just that the insurance companies themselves take the money they get from us, the customer, and they invest that. So they're just fine settling because the money continues to grow. Whether I mean the the money they make on the the investments that they, their their investments far outweighs any money they pay out in settlement. So that that alone is no it it plays no part in other than just getting more of the money. Anyway, continue Renee. Uh, well, my comment was that uh, the communists left like Soviet communists. They kind of like to hold on to their very valuable political leaders until they die in office. Look at Brezhnev. He wanted to retire. They did not leave him retired. They let him die in office. Most probably Biden, they have the same attitude with Biden and Federman. They're useful to them. The people that's controlling them or helping him, more or less controlling him, they're ready He die in office and retire like he most probably really want to do. At least Claudius Caesar had a good brain for the Roman Empire, and he wasn't that bad, sickly And I act like that way. All right, That's Renee. My comment. All right. Thank you, Renee. We've got to go. You guys tune in tomorrow. 23 hours of Joe Cunningham Show. We'll be back. In the meantime, Shannon is off sides next. You can uh, reach out to me, Twitter, joe p. Cunningham, facebook.com slash joe Cunningham Show, and sign up for the show notes at joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Talk to you guys again real soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.